You're listening to a CFCC audio podcast. For news and service times, visit www.cfccnet.org. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I had a wonderful Thanksgiving week. I hope you guys did too. Uh, one of the things I'm thankful for is the, the cooler weather we've had through. Hopefully you were able to pick up a bulletin on your way in. We have lots of good information in there. There's some information about the upcoming perspectives class that we want you to look at. Uh, we have the ladies' winter retreat coming up that has information. But we want to highlight a couple things. First off, we have our Christmas Eve service coming up. We will be meeting at 5 p.m. here on Christmas Eve. It's a fantastic tradition here at SciFair Christian, uh, and we hope that you can join us for that. Uh, we also want to point out that before then, we will be doing our Christmas decorations. If you look in your bulletin, you'll see a number that you can text, or you can go to the app to sign up to help us put up the Christmas decorations. Uh, it will be this coming Saturday, December 1st. If we have a lot of people here, it goes really, really quick. Hopefully you can join us for that. And, and the nice thing about it is that it's a great family activity. So go ahead and sign up and meet us here on Saturday. And then lastly, we want you to notice the spot in your bulletin that says prayer requests. Uh, our leadership and our elders love praying for the people of the church. If you have things that you want us to pray for, you can go to our website and submit a prayer request. And then we always have prayer partners at the front of the stage towards the end of the service. And we have them in the back of the room as well. If you want to pray with someone today, there's no stigma with that. There, there's no reason to feel bad. That's a joyous occasion where we can be in fellowship together coming before our Lord. So we encourage you to take advantage of the prayer request option on the website or praying with one of our prayer partners. Please take a seat. So um, we're coming on to Christmas. You may have figured that one out. And uh, it starts off in a big way here. Uh, after Thanksgiving. So if you were to come to our house towards, uh, towards, more towards Christmas, you might see a wall complete. you might, you might not, but you might see a wall of Christmas cards and you would think, boy, these guys are popular. Everybody likes to send these people Christmas cards. And in fact, we've been saving them for the last 25 years and we, we just, we put them there. We get about four a year. Um, Christmas cards. Anybody received a Christmas card yet? No. You have? Yeah? I've received about 10 of them. They're from American Express. Therefore, it's funny, isn't it? All these credit cards come in, uh, you know, they want your business. What do they want? You know, honestly, I've had about, in the last two weeks, I think we've had about 10. Some of them wrapped up in beautiful envelopes with silver lining and all that, and they're really inviting you into something. And I think the timing is no coincidence. It's Christmas time. So uh, there is opportunity for us to, um, to lose some things as well as to gain. And this means different things to different people. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a, a window here in our last few days. I don't read a journal. I don't write a journal. But if I did, the last few days might read something like this. So Tuesday evening. Two of my daughter's friends visited for a sleepover. 
They ended up the day sleeping in our pop-up camper. There was joy, there was friendship and excitement, and that was a blessing. Wednesday, vacation day from work for me. I'm a very fortunate man. I was able to do that. Breakfast in the kitchen. We have a small kitchen. It's crazy. The three girls, my three boys, my wife, me, packed into an eight-by-eight kind of kitchen type surrounding. And um, all of a sudden, spontaneously, this like barn dance thing appeared. And we were going around, <laughs> these people doing the do do whatever it's called, you know. And it lasted about 10 seconds, and it was a little snapshot of, of happiness that was special. And it went in there. These little things come along in our lives, don't they? Not planned, special. That evening, we went to Zoo Lights down in Houston Zoo. I wasn't particularly looking forward to it, but it was fantastic. (laughs) Partly why it was so good is I managed to bomb an Oriental couple's photograph, uh, which they thanked me for. They had a hoot with that. I'm not, you know, it's the first time I've ever done that. And there was a Mideastern family there in, in this, there's a tunnel of lights, uh, super bright. And they were there fiddling around trying to get a family shot. And uh, I reassured them I wasn't going to run off with their cell phone. And I, and I took a photograph. And they reciprocated in that, just those few seconds, probably 30 seconds max. There was just a measure of joy. And it was sweet. And it was unusual. Thanksgiving Day, let's go to 5.30 in the evening. Um, the kids were all home. The table looked nicer than it ever did this, this year so far. Excellent turkey, and it was. Uh, we had mashed taters. Aunt Di came around and brought cherry and uh, pumpkin pies. And we knocked the gravy out of the park. So it was a good time. Uh, also, we had this fantastic green bean casserole. Where am I going with this? Friday, Madison's 14th birthday. Met friends for coffee. It meant so much just to sit and laugh and relax with some people about our age. A brother and sister in Christ. People, again, people, people, people. Um, That evening, celebrating Madison's birthday at an Indian restaurant. If you want your taste buds to get excited, that's the place to go. So I'm a very blessed man and we've had a very blessed time here. So what? It's perfect in the Hanrod's house. Here's the bit that's missing on Thanksgiving Day. Up early, that's probably about five o'clock, watching YouTube, comparing my life to others, frustrated, said hurtful things to my wife, stupid, brought the day tumbling down. I was mad until mid-afternoon. Edie showed up with Jesus in the afternoon. I heard the call to wisdom. Couldn't stay mad. Recovered the day with great family meal back into the turkey, etc., etc. So where's our stresses going to be as we come into the new year? The Lord is my shepherd. I believe that. We believe that. We are an instrument for his peace. Believe it. Let's be intent this morning on realigning ourselves with Jesus as we go into this season, which can cause division 
and stress. And as we go into this offering time, let's be thankful. Give generously with your words, with your hands and your feet, and with your money. Be bold in these things. There is need, always. So please pray with me. Lord, we enter your gates with thanksgiving and we enter your courts with praise. We give thanks to you and praise your name. For the Lord is good. You are good, Father. And your love endures forever. Let us show that. Your faithfulness continues throughout all generations. Father, we're we're here to worship you. We're here to learn about you. We're here to be steered by your wisdom and by your faithfulness. We praise your name in this house this morning, Father. We ask for opportunities to reflect your love through us in all the ways that you give to us, Father. We rejoice in your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. Father God, we just thank you for being our provider, our supplier. You give us everything we need. We believe, we have faith. We take action in that. We trust in you that you will supply what we need. You will answer our prayers, Lord. And if you don't answer them the way we want, we trust you that you have a better plan for us. We lay all our burdens at your feet, Lord, and we, we believe, we have faith, and we live like you will heal and you will answer our prayers. We thank you for being a God who listens and hears our prayers. We are not alone in this world. We thank you for Jesus who gives us the power. In Jesus' name, amen. How's everybody doing today? Um, we are glad that you're worshiping with us here this morning and coming together to, uh, to give thanks to God, to continue this sort of season Thanksgiving and um, continue in our series in the Acts entitled Sent. So as I was preparing for the message over the last few days, kind of growing closer, uh, I did what a lot of us do. I had to tend to some emails. Do you do this? Do you have, do you have this? inbox that just piles up. Do you, I mean, it's, it's a part of everyday life now. You got to address these things. You got to sift through it. It seems like you spend more time on email than you do actual mail, going through all of these, replying to the ones, setting a priority list, doing all these things. And email can be, it can be a nuisance for that reason, but it all can be sort of this magical thing, right? You, you address it to someone, to a specific person most of the time, and then the subject line, you give it a specific subject addressing a specific thing, right? And then you've got this message field that you fill up this message, usually a very specific message to a very specific person with a very specific subject and a lot of times addressed to and sent at a very specific time, right? Unless it's one of these stupid chain mails where you have, it's been copied and pasted about 500 times and you have to forward it to all your friends in your contact list to prove your devotion to Jesus. Can we just go ahead and just stop doing this, right? 
I'm pretty sure it doesn't say anywhere in scripture to take up your email and follow me. There's nowhere in scripture that that's a sign of following. That bar is set pretty low. And if Jesus were living today, he would be deleting those emails, okay? So let's all just collectively do that. But back to my point. I was addressing an email to someone and I addressed it to a specific person. I had a very specific subject line to get their attention. So I had this very specific message addressed to a very specific person at a very specific time, very time sensitive, right? For a very specific purpose. And I hovered over the button to hit send. And yet, instead of hearing the swoosh, that gratifying swoosh sound that you get when you send an email, at least on my computer, I got this really annoying error message. And so I thought, well, okay, I'll try it again. So I did it all over again, addressed it to the person, specific message, specific uh, person, specific subject line, specific time, hit send, nothing. Again, nothing, nothing. This email is sitting in my outbox and it won't go out because there's something wrong with the internal server. Who cares, right? But this message now is, is not fulfilling its purpose, This message is useless to me. It's sitting in my outbox, refusing, looking at me, taunting me, refusing to leave. (laughs) And it occurs to me that we Christians are a lot like this. We have been given a very specific message. We've been given the most important, paramount subject And many times we are given a specific person to give that to. And many times it's very time sensitive. And yet we refuse to send that message. That message is just sort of sitting in this ephemeral outbox. It's just not going anywhere. And God in his patience and in his long suffering is hovering over that send button, pressing it again and again and again. And again, we refuse to go. Again, we refuse to send that message and deliver that message. And I wanna tell you today that I don't wanna be a useless message. I wanna be useful to God. I I wanna go with the purpose for which he sent me. Does this mean that if we don't deliver this message that God is not going to accomplish his purposes? No, not at all. God will accomplish what he sets out to do. Scripture tells us that. But I want to be a part of delivering that message. And so we are in the midst of this, this series in the book of Acts. And And in the book of Acts, we see that this new community that has been birthed after Christ's resurrection, the church, is a community of believers and no one stays in their place. Have you noticed this? No one stays in their place. Peter leaves his fishing nets behind. And though he's unschooled and didn't go to any kind of seminary or theological school, he hasn't written any books, he doesn't have a PhD, he is... He is preaching the gospel to the religious officials of that day. 
in the temple, no less. Paul, Paul leaves behind this life of persecuting Christians and now he is promoting Christianity himself and he is traveling all around. We just saw his conversion last Sunday and we're gonna see more of how uh, his, he, he spreads the gospel all throughout that region. Ends up writing most of the New Testament. We looked at Philip a couple of weeks ago. Philip, who was just an ordinary person who was serving the church and serving the widows, all of a sudden gets this call in his life. He's filled with the Holy Spirit and an angel of the Lord appears to him and sends him to the desert, to Nowheresville, to go deliver the message. He doesn't know who he's gonna speak to. He doesn't know who he's going to talk to, but he goes, he's sent. He doesn't just stay in the outbox, he goes. And there he encounters an Ethiopian eunuch and, 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 and shares the gospel with him. The man is saved and ends up taking the gospel to Ethiopia and ultimately to Africa. These people, this new community of believers, they don't stay where they started. They're all moving, they're all going. And today we're gonna look at a paralyzed man, a paralyzed man who doesn't even stay in bed. He gets up. And start sharing the gospel. And because of his story, many come to believe. And we hear the story of a woman named Tabitha. A woman who could have sat and waited for the men around her to create some kind of welfare system for these widows and for these poor people. And yet she decided to do something about it. She decided to do something about it. And in the story we're going to read today, even death doesn't keep this woman down. Jesus is turning things around. He's changing people. He's moving in people and he is moving. We can look at this book and we can think, oh, this is something that used to happen or this is something that that doesn't happen anymore. But the truth, the reality is God is telling us that Jesus Christ and the power of the resurrection is just as available to us today as it was back then. And some of these things that we read are miraculous and incredible, but God is teaching us something. And I believe that if we were to really live in obedience of the spirit, we would see God moving more actively around us, would be a part of his Holy Spirit work around us. There are places all over the world where the church is being persecuted, the church is being oppressed, where Christianity shouldn't be surviving, and yet it is. And they're not only surviving, they're seeing miracles. Miracles are happening every single day. And so I wanna continue this series here. We're gonna look at this this passage, and I just want you to be thinking about this. If there's anything that you take away from this series, anything you take away from this series, it is that you are a sent people. It is that you are, are, are not to stay stationary. The mission field is not a place overseas in a far off land that you've never heard of with a people that speak a language that you don't know. The mission field is everywhere around you. And it, it doesn't just start when you get on a plane to go somewhere. It starts when you walk through the threshold of the door. You're entering the mission field. You're taking the gospel of Jesus to your coworkers, to your neighbors, to your friends. The way that you live your life is a testimony to the God who's living in and through you. 
So if you take anything away from this series, it is that you are a sent people. And I want you to consider the fact today, just consider the fact that God might use you to deliver his message. That maybe God is trying to send you. Maybe God is trying to use you to send his message. Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. And that's my prayer today is that you would be laborers, that you would be laborers with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, that you would be disciple makers, that you would be sent out and that you would deliver the message of the gospel to the people who need to hear it. Let's look at Acts 9 here this morning. I want to draw your attention to Acts 9, verse 31. Saul, as I said, the persecutor of the church, last week we saw has now become the promoter of Jesus. He was the persecutor of Christians, and now he's the promoter of Christianity. He's done this incredible turnaround, and he is now named Paul. And what it tells us in verse 31 is this, then the church throughout Judea, this is after Saul's conversion, Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. So remember, they were in a time of persecution. And now at this moment, they are enjoying a time of peace and living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Living in the fear of the Lord, and and in some translations, it says comforted, by the Spirit. Isn't that an interesting uh, paradox? Living in fear of the Lord and being comforted sort of in the peace of the Holy Spirit. That's where we live as Christians in this sort of awe and reverence of God and who he is, that this is not a God to be dealt with slightly. This is a God who is to be worshiped and yet having the confidence and the, the, the boldness to approach his throne of grace because of the blood of Jesus, being comforted with the presence of the Holy Spirit to have that peace. That's where the disciples are living in this moment. And so what that did was it opened up the opportunity for these these apostles to travel around. And so we leave the story of Paul and we now pick up this story of Peter who's gonna take his word into the region and to the Gentiles. It says this, As Peter traveled about the country, I'm reading in the NIV, by the way, so we put the scripture up on the screen if you don't have it. As Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. Immediately, Aeneas got up. And all those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. And so then in Joppa, about 12 miles away, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas, unfortunate name, Dorcas. Probably would have gone with Tabitha if I were her. She was always doing good and helping the poor. And about that time, she became sick and died while Peter was out in the region. And her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, 
They sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Peter went with them. And when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room, and then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet, and then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. Would you pray with me? Lord God in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to come around your word, to gather around and feast upon the bread of life. And Lord, we thank you that you sent Jesus, the word made flesh, to this earth so that we wouldn't be left on our own, but Father, we would see you with flesh on, face to face. And we would see you suffer with us. We'd see you celebrate with us. We'd see you um, urge us and, and push us forward out of our comfort zones. We thank you that we are able to relate to you through Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you that Though Jesus is at your right hand, you have sent us the Holy Spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would be present among your people here today, that you'd make this word come alive to us, and that it would challenge us and change us, and that we wouldn't stay stagnant, we wouldn't stay complacent, we wouldn't stay where we are, Lord, but that this word would send us out. We pray that your your word would be living and active among your people, and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So there are two miracle stories that we look at here in Acts chapter nine, both through Peter. And there's a few similarities that I, I, wanna, I wanna point out. We're gonna walk through this passage quickly. In both stories, he heals someone with a Greek name. There's two healings in here in both of these passages, both Aeneas and Tabitha. Both of them have Greek names. And so, so Peter, not, it's not necessarily the fact that both of these people are Greeks or Gentiles, but they're in a Greek-speaking community. So now Jesus and his word has gone out into the Gentile community and starting to spread across the region, across racial lines, across prejudicial lines, across cultural lines. The gospel is breaking down these walls. And so both of these stories also resemble the miracles done by Jesus himself. You may remember Jesus healing the paralytic. You may remember Jesus raising Jairus' daughter from the dead. And Peter was there. Peter was in the room when this happened. And so Peter actually saw Jesus. He heard Jesus' voice. He witnessed what had happened. Jesus also healed Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus, come out. An amazing spectacle it would have been to have been a witness there. Both of these healings, they both resemble miracles done by Jesus himself. Both of them make it clear that the healing power is not done by the person who's actually there in the room, but it's by Jesus Christ himself. Peter makes it very clear that this is, that I am not healing you. 
Jesus Christ heals you, he says. The power is not from the person who is standing there in flesh and blood. The power is directly from the throne of God. Both of them refer to the Lord's people. Both of these stories refer to either the Lord's people or the saints. Now this word is actually the word hagios, which means a, what we would refer to as a saint or a holy person, but it actually refers to a group of these people. These aren't professional Christians. These aren't people who are perfect in every way. These are, these are broken people just like you and I, but they have accepted Christ as their savior. They're living in the kingdom of God and they're being obedient to the father. And so they are holy people. They are the saints, okay? You and I are saints. It doesn't mean that we're perfect. It doesn't mean that we've got it all together, but it does mean that we are set apart, that God has set us apart for a holy purpose and that we are to be obedient to the king in the kingdom. So I want you to lean over to the person next to you. And you know what? If you're here with your spouse, I want you to say this with just a little special emphasis. I want you just to embrace this and look at the person to your left and right and just say, I'm a saint. You've probably said that before. You've probably reminded of that before, but never in church. You get permission here today. Both of these stories refer to the holy people of God, the saints of God. And both of them contain a phrase that I want to focus on today, a phrase that sort of jumped out to me. And I really had to sort of struggle to kind of dig in to, to take a look at this. And I hope you'll, you'll, you'll just kind of dig in with me here over the next few minutes. They both contain an impossible phrase, especially in the NIV that Peter utters to these people in these circumstances. And two words that I want us to focus on today that I know I need to hear. Get up. Get up. Aeneas, in the first story, was a paralyzed man. He was, he was a paraplegic. He was a quadriplegic. We're not sure. But I can only imagine the longings of this guy's heart. He probably desired more than anything just to, just, just to, to lay there and at night as he's drifting off to sleep to feel his wife's feet up against his. And I'm kind of like an anti-snuggler. It's not really my thing. I mean, it, you might be into that. It's not really my thing. But I know that if I had been paralyzed, that that is something that I would want more than anything. He probably wanted more than anything to feel sort of, you know, your own weight on your legs and the satisfaction of a hard day's work. Maybe to fix himself his own meal. Maybe to stand in the Mediterranean and feel the water splashing up against his ankles. He could do nothing for himself. He'd been paralyzed for eight years. And yet Peter comes to his home and he tells this man, get up. Jesus Christ heals you, get up. I had a friend growing up, childhood friend down the street, 
and uh, used to go over to his house after school, used to spend the night over at his house, and he was born with a, a condition that made his bones very, very, very brittle. In fact, a lot of these children born with this condition actually break their bones as they're being delivered. And because of this, his bones had been broken so many times he was confined to a wheelchair. And he was a friend of mine. And we hung out all the time and, and we had a lot of things in common. And he was a very good friend of mine. And I never, never would have ever considered saying to him, get up. It would have seemed like a cruel joke. And yet this is what Peter says to this man. But Tabitha, in the next story, this next small passage, Tabitha wasn't just paralyzed. Tabitha was dead. And this poor group of widows who called Peter had no misconceptions about it either. They had actually washed her body. They knew that she was dead. They weren't in denial. You don't, you don't wash a body if it's not dead. Surely her skin was cold to the touch. And when, when Peter arrived at the door, I imagine these women greeting him and, and showing him the the dresses, the garments, or maybe the hymns that she had sewn for them. You see, these women were poor and, and couldn't care for themselves. And so Tabitha had took it upon herself to, to, to sew for these women and create these garments for them and take care of them. She took care of these women. And now that Tabitha's gone, who's going to take care of them? And so they're weeping and they're crying as Peter comes to the door and he has them leave and he sits down beside their beside her and begins praying. I've been, uh, I've had the, the opportunity, I've been humbled to stand with several people, multiple people, grieving their loved ones. Um, I've walked with them through grief and on many of those occasions, they have shown me pictures of their loved one, or they've shown me trophies, or they've shown me quilts that they made, or these different kinds of things. And while I have preached at many funerals, and I've stood over these coffins, and I've shared scripture, and I've shared um, hopefully words of hope, and words that would encourage these people, I've never had the courage to say to this lifeless body, get up. It's one thing to, to boldly pray for a person who is sick or a person who is ill. It's entirely something else for Peter to stand before this lifeless body and tell it to rise. It's, it's one of these stories where it's either, it's either an ancient thing in the distant past or it's something that happens so far in the future when Jesus comes back. It's not something that we think could happen today. We don't expect it to happen today. But the saints in Joppa, this group of holy people set apart for, for God, for his holy purposes, these people in Joppa, they expected it. They expected it, and it's right there in the text. 
Because when they heard Peter was near a few miles away in Lydda, they sent for him. Not just to pay words of encouragement or to pay his respects or to comfort them. In verse 38, they tell him to please come at once. They expected something. And so maybe Peter expected something that day too. He had been with Jesus. He had seen him heal the paralytic. He had seen him heal Jairus' daughter, raise her from the dead. He had been there and seen when Lazarus had come out of that tomb. And he, with his own eyes, had peered into that empty tomb, Peter. And so when he looked into the eyes of Aeneas, when he looked into the eyes of Tabitha, he said, get up with utter confidence. Peter was confident because he believed what he told Aeneas in verse 34, that Jesus Christ heals you. And you and I are here today because we believe that too. We believe Jesus Christ heals. We believe in his healing power. We believe in his saving power, but we're not very confident about it, are we? We're not very confident about it. We don't, we don't think that we have the power to heal the sick or to raise the dead or that that is available to us. And we definitely don't go around shouting, you are healed in the name of Jesus. We don't go shouting that to our coworkers at our cubicles. And you and I may not be able to say that. We could, we could talk and we could debate back and forth whether or not that this power was available only through Peter as an apostle set apart for this specific time or whether it's available today. But here's what I wanna say. Regardless of that, we may not be able to heal a sick person and to command them to rise and get up and walk after being paralyzed. We may not be able to raise a person from the dead, but what we do know is that Jesus has the power to get you up out of anything. And we hold within us as disciples of Jesus the authority of his name, that is, we hold within us the same power to heal. And Paul tells us that the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The power of God. And these miracles performed by Peter are a beautiful metaphor for the maladies of this world. If you look at it as metaphor, everyone is suffering from some malady. Everyone is suffering from some illness. Everyone is powerless. We're all weak. We're all paralyzed in some ways. And we're all, in fact, dead in our sins. And yet we have the answer. We have the cure for this malady. And you and I need to speak his name. You and I need to speak Jesus's name. We have friends, we have coworkers, we have neighbors that need to hear that healing is available. And they need a person like Peter who is willing to stand with them and speak the name of Jesus. I'm not talking about just praying for them. We do that too. But I'm talking about being willing to speak the words, Jesus Christ heals you. Jesus Christ heals you. We need to speak the healing name of Jesus into people's lives and reach out our hands like Peter and help them up. 
And so for those of you who are here today, Jesus may not heal your back. He may not heal your your eye. He may not heal your physical pain today or your illness, but he is ready to forgive your sins. That healing is available now, right this moment. He's reaching out his hand to you to help you up. And I pray that you might trust in Jesus and receive his forgiveness and his help today. Some of you are paralyzed today. You're paralyzed with fear, paralyzed with anxiety, paralyzed with any number of things. But God's word says, he who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Fear not. Jesus Christ heals you. Get up. Some of you are here today and you don't have the life that Jesus gives you. You've accepted Christ as your savior, but you're still holding on too tightly to the ways of this world. You're like Tabitha, still lying there in this old self, in this old life, grasping too tightly to it. And Paul says in Colossians, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them away. All anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. You've been raised to new life in Christ. Jesus Christ heals you. It's time to get up. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this this time to, to gather around your word, Father. And Lord, we don't live in the healing power that's available to us through Jesus. So often we live paralyzed. We live in fear. We live in doubt. And God, we know that that miracles are, are called that for a reason. They don't happen every day. They aren't common occurrences. They, are, they happen so that we might see the power that is available to us through you. The conquering power of the resurrection over all of earth's maladies. And we know that we might not receive a miracle in our own life today or tomorrow or in the years to come. But Lord, we know that you can heal us. And forgive us, Father, where we stay seated, where we are lying down in our sins, where we are paralyzed and not able to move. We ask, Father, that you would open our eyes, that we would hear your voice, that we would receive your healing, that we would take your hand and we would get up. Father, we thank you um, for the life that is available to us. May you give us the strength and the courage to live out that life. 
And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask our communion servers to, to come forward here and to prepare their stations and for our prayer partners to make themselves available in the front and in the back. As Travis told you here in the very beginning of our service, we believe in the power of prayer here. So much so that we make it available to you, not only every service in the front of the sanctuary and the back of the sanctuary, but throughout the week, we have ways in which you can submit your prayer requests through our website or through calling the church office or through our life groups or all kinds of different ways. But this morning, our prayer partners are available to you right now. And as we take communion, we encourage you to come forward and receive that prayer, maybe to pray with them. Maybe, maybe just to have someone stand with you and pray a prayer with you. Maybe you're paralyzed. Maybe you feel sort of dead in your sins and, and God is calling you to come alive this morning. I encourage you to come forward to receive communion and to receive prayer. They're gonna be available too after the service to receive your prayer requests. I'll be stationed all around and encourage you to do so. Jesus Christ has healed us through his body and his blood, through his sacrifice. And we get to celebrate that. And we do so every single Sunday here at Cypher Christian Church. And so I encourage you as saints, as the holy people set apart for God's purposes to get up and receive the healing of Jesus here this morning, to receive the reminder of his grace through communion. Let's pray one more time. Father, we just, we thank you for this table that you have set before us. We thank you for the bread and the cup, these simple symbols that you have, you have used for a powerful, powerful purpose. And I pray that we do not take it lightly here this morning, what you have done for us. Um, Lord, we receive your grace. Um, we thank you so much that you offered it to us freely, though it was, did not come free to you. We thank you for laying down your life so that we might have ours. And we celebrate the name of Jesus here during this time. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to come. Just want to close with Colossians again. If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Go in peace. God bless you guys. Y'all have a great week.